Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Here's my usual reminder that if you're enjoying these podcasts, which I do entirely on my own, in my free time, just saying, you can support Probably True on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash probably true, or by clicking on the link at probablytruepodcast.com. And for the first time in what I'm hoping will be a regular thing, Patreon subscribers will also get bonus content that the rest of you plebs don't. If you want to know what it is, you'll have to uh, sign up. Off you pop. Wait, no, don't pop off just yet. Listen to the podcast, then pop off. Or pause it and come back. Actually, you know what, do what you want. I'm just going to carry on. You're listening to the award-winning Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring otherwise. I've been thinking a lot about death lately. Don't worry, I'm not going to top myself. <laughs> top myself. <laughs> oh, if I could do that, I'd never leave the house. But um, can you believe I won awards for this kind of thing? <laughs> anyway, I do think about death quite a lot. So it's not really a new thing that I'm thinking about it now or anything to worry about. I mean, it's not like worrying will help anyway. It's still going to happen. We are all going to die. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about this kind of thing, which is fine. Lots of people are uncomfortable talking about sex, too, and so far I've done 30-odd podcasts about that. So, here's one on the other thing. From somewhere in my mid-teenage years, I went through a period of a decade where, on average, one person I knew died every year. Some of them were grandparents or just generic old people, and I think that's easier to deal with, especially for parents explaining things to kids because they say, oh, it was their time, they'd lived a long life, or my actual favourite, they had a good innings, (laughs) whatever that means. (laughs) Which is fine for those few, but most of the people I knew who died weren't old. They were around my age, some of them even younger. And, you know, that kind of thing once or twice in your formative years tends to have a bit of an effect, but an average of one a year for a decade, that definitely shaped me. I mean, imagine your group of friends when you were at school, and then all of a sudden some magical hand going ping, gone, and flicking one of them off into the horizon. Yeah, it definitely shapes me. Not in a Jessica Fletcher, murder is everywhere I go, yet no one suspects me sort of a way, or even anything weird and sexual. Oh, God. I've just, I've just, I've just squashed those two things together in my head. Ugh. Now all I'm thinking about is the idea of some old woman being bent over a typewriter who can't get off unless someone's being murdered in the next room. I'm fairly certain that's not a thing. Although, if there isn't a drag queen somewhere called Jessica Felcher, then someone's missed a trick. Anyway, putting all of that aside, I just mean it's made me much more keenly aware of my own mortality. It helps that I know the date of my own death, I guess. It's not for a while yet, which is handy. I've got shit I want to do. One of the things that's got me thinking about death was a call from my mum a few weeks ago telling me that she's given me power of attorney in her will. 
I'm not really sure what that is, but I think that means I can have a life support unplugged, which is fun to use as a threat, I suppose. Up until now, when she's got on my tits, I had to threaten to call Childline, but that loses its sting after you've moved out and got a job and all that kind of thing. I suppose I also get to choose the retirement home she gets put into eventually, but I can't really use that as leverage, because as money's going at the moment, it's probably more likely to be a self-storage unit than a retirement home. Best not to dwell on that one too much. Although when she rang me to tell me that she was sorting out her will and giving me power of attorney and all that, she did say, Don't worry though, love, I'm not going anywhere for a long time yet. After what he did to your brother, God's not going to want me around any time soon. And while I don't believe that there's some old man in a robe sat on a cloud somewhere, part of me really wants it to be true, if only so I could be in the room when he meets my mum. <laughs> she would rip his beard off. I wasn't brought up with any kind of religious background. My parents never really went in for it, and the fact that they saved me that level of brain fuckery is something I'll be forever grateful about. They taught me how to read, how to think, and how to ask questions before making my own mind up about things. And that's a pretty good start for any child, I think. I've got friends who are scientists, who tell me that there's no such thing as a soul. In fact, there's nothing more to me than this beautiful lump of muscles and great hair and wonky teeth. And when I die, that's it. Nothing. Which is weird to consider, because we're all such egotistical sons of bitches that we can't help but think that there's no possible way that the universe couldn't continue without us. Here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we go and sit at the right hand of Jesus or if we reincarnate and come back as a bicycle seat, or if the lights just go out and bam, no more you. None of it matters. Because the bit that matters is that here and now, we are alive. We are here. As Terry Pratchett, one of my favourite authors, once wrote, if we stop telling people it all gets sorted out after they die, they might start trying to sort it out while they're still alive. And yeah, if you press me on what I believe, I'd say that. You know, the longest life and the least suffering for as many people as possible. That is my most passionate belief. Once we've sorted this world out, we can start thinking about the next one. But until then, there are more important and more pressing things that require our attention. Stuff that we can actually do something about. Organ donation, for one thing. I'm all for that. I've spent most of my adult life trying to uh, donate one particular organ after all. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I made that joke. Anyway, yes, organ donation. When I'm dead, hand them out. It's not like I'm using them anymore. It's like everything else I own. Once I'm dead, I probably won't have much use for a George Foreman grill and three copies of Mannequin on DVD. Someone else might as well get some use out of them. Thinking about it, my liver's probably a bit shot, but run it under a tap and see. It might be alright. I'm not a doctor, but I'm fairly sure that's how it works. As for whatever's left over, I like the look of those tree things. Like, all the... Bits of meat and stuff that was my body is put in a biodegradable pod thing with a baby tree. And the whole thing gets planted, and as the meat decomposes, it feeds the tree, and the tree grows, and, you know. I like that idea. If possible, I'd like it to be a walnut tree or something like that, so you can all eat my nuts. <laughs> I certainly like that idea more than burning the leftovers or putting me on a stone shelf in some crypt somewhere, like some kind of weird dead people filing system. <sighs> All the bits of my body came from the world around me as I shoved them into my face as cake or gin or cock, and so they should return to the world, you know, circle of life style of thing. There's a lovely way of illustrating this that I heard of on Babylon 5, but I googled it and it actually turns out to be from a proper scientist and not made up by Delenn the Minbari ambassador. 
She talks about how we're all star stuff. Every atom on this planet was created in the middle of a star that then exploded and spurted them out across the universe. Those atoms, and atoms from millions of other stars doing exactly the same thing, came together and eventually formed more stars and planets and rocks and gin and trees and trousers. We are made of stars, and the bits that are in us have been dinosaurs and fish and Julius Caesar and Hitler and Mother Teresa and everyone else who ever existed. It's kind of awesome. Especially when, you know, you, you learn that those atoms don't sit still. It's not like, these atoms are me, and always will be, and those atoms over there are a random guy in Liverpool Street Station toilets, for example. All of the atoms, all of the tiny bits that make up you and me and him and everyone else, are always changing. It takes about five years, apparently, for all the bits that at any one moment make up you to be completely replaced with new bits. Which raises a great question about how you can say, that's mine, or even which bits are you doing the saying, because even if you could, and you can't, it's all pretty temporary anyway, because in a few years they'll all have drifted off to become someone else. I find that pretty cool. I mentioned earlier that I know when I'm going to die. Yep, I do. 11th November 2056. I'll be 73, which seems like a good number, I suppose. I don't really know. I'm sure at the time I'll wish I had another 10 years, but eh, 2056 it is. I don't know how I'm going to die, or where, or anything like that, because, you know, spoilers, take all the fun out of it. I know all this because I looked it up online. Obviously, how else do we learn anything nowadays? Yeah, I went to a site that asks you a couple of questions about, like, your date of birth, if you smoke, whether you're male or female, and then it uses that to work out your average projected lifespan, and then starts it from the day you were born, and tells you when the day you're likeliest to die is. But Scott, you might say if you were feeling particularly argumentative. That's not going to be accurate, just a random date. And of course it's not going to be accurate, you tit. I could die tomorrow, or live to be 150 and the world's first cyborg overlord, or anything. It's not the point. I am going to die eventually, and so are you, and so is everyone you know. One day we will all, briefly, know what it's like to breathe out and not be able to breathe in again. And then it'll all go dark and it'll all be over. Maybe other things will happen after that, maybe they won't, I don't know. And for me, if anything, putting a date to that makes it easier to process. I have a countdown to that date as my screensaver on all of my devices. It tells me, to the second, how long I have left to live. Or at least, how long I have left until that date. It's not the exact amount of time I have left, but it's a good approximation, and it's important to know that there is a finite amount of time, and it is fast running out. Think about it, though. If we all had little counters above our heads, ticking down the seconds, the minutes, the hours that we have left, would you want to know what it said? Or would you rather just be ignorant and have the whole thing come as a surprise at some point when you realise that you've wasted half your life in meetings and uh, on boring dates with stupid people? How would you live your life differently if you knew that you were being constantly reminded that it was finite and then you were going to die? Because you can't see it, but that is actually happening. All those seconds are ticking away. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. You know, as I'm writing this, I'm told I have... Hang on. 39 years, 1 month, 11 days, 20 hours, 7 minutes, and 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, <laughs> 18, 17, 16. Imagine that. Next time you're stuck in a meeting and someone is diligently reading all the words off of a PowerPoint presentation that you could have read in your own time, or not at all, usually, 
or you're fighting with a spreadsheet, or ironing your socks, anything like that. You have a finite number of seconds left, and you are spending them doing something dull for no real reason. If that doesn't make you want to scream and start stapling things to people's heads, then it is already too late, and that number above your head might as well be zero. I'm not trying to depress you with this sort of thing. I personally don't find it maudlin. I mean, yeah, I suppose if you think about it, the idea that everyone you know and love is going to one day, possibly quite suddenly, go away and never come back, then yes, that is, I suppose, a little bit depressing. But remember that the same is also true of everyone you don't like, too. No one will live forever. All of this will pass, eventually. For me, that sort of thing is quite freeing. I find myself laughing when people tell me that it's important that I finish that report. None of it matters. I can do whatever I want, I can do all those reports, I can get all that work turned in, I can make sure all of my spreadsheets are arranged and sorted and colour-coded, and I'll still be just as dead as if I didn't. And with that in mind, why would you want to spend your entire life doing something boring, something you didn't enjoy? Like I said, every atom in your body knows what it's like to burn inside a star. I like to think that they can remember. And if you're not doing something with the short time that you have that burns inside of you with the same kind of intensity, it's almost like you've let them down. So, yeah, growing up and getting on, if not first name terms, then at least nodding at each other in the street kind of level with the Grim Reaper has changed me. It's made me a lot more aware and grateful for the time that I have. And, you know, if I can use it to make things better, not just for me, but for all the other stupid meat sacks wandering around, then great, because, you know, that's a great thing to want to get out of life. Maybe it'll score me some more points for whatever happens next, and maybe it won't. Maybe it won't matter. It's not going to stop me doing it. And, thanks to the joys of rigor mortis, I will face the next world just as I faced this one, with a smile and a persistent boner. This was Probably True, the award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the award-winning Scott Flashheart. If you liked what you've heard, you could share it with your friends, leave a positive iTunes review, and sign up at probablytruepodcast.com. If you didn't like it, you can find me on Twitter as UnlikelyLad. Come at me, bro. So yeah, if after listening to that you want to support Probably True and make sure I can keep making these silly little things, you can do so by subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com slash probably true. Also, I'm going to be in Cardiff from the 10th to the 16th of October this year doing some interviews and Joan Rivers style stuff for the Iris Prize Festival. It's the best LGBT film festival in the world. And they're not even paying me to say that. So yeah, if you're in or near Cardiff, come along and bring some of your hot single friends with you. 